Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alchemy of Business show. Thank you for either listening in or if you're viewing this in video audio format, welcome to you as well. No matter how you got here, we are thrilled that people want to come and learn more about making wiser decisions creating greater profits in your life and in your family, and also having higher purpose. So we're combining all of those things in the alchemy, the alchemy of business, just as I do with my clients in the alchemy advisors business. So today we have a guest that exudes that. Talk about someone who has a formula for using the alchemy of his own life at a very high level. This gentleman is a serial entrepreneur, and he's done tons of business. He's based out of the Silicon Valley area. But not only is he a serial entrepreneur of building many, many businesses, but he's also been in the publishing business back in the ancient days of publishing to the current day in ways in which he's changing the industry. I actually met him via my book that I had published through him called The Iggy Principles. And what was fascinating about when we work together is he does multimedia books that I'm going to have him talk about. So it's not just the old fashioned way. He's more than current and cutting edge. He is a two-time TEDx speaker. He's his own international best-selling author with over 60 books. I believe that his publishing companies over the years have published over like 700 plus books. Um, and we were talking earlier before we started the show, he himself with interviews and his own type of podcast or shows had done close to edging into almost a thousand different interviews he's done for some of the credibility work that he does. So I'm thrilled to have Mr. Mitchell Levy here, uh, who has so many titles underneath. I'm just going to call him Mitchell. So let's bring on Mitchell and uh, welcome him to the show. So thank you, Mitchell. Oh, Steve, that was a beautiful intro. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Well, we are glad to have you. So the Alchemy of Business is getting its feet wet and starting to uh, roll and run, rumble. Uh, we are probably going to be at about the uh, 10th show by the time we have your your show here uh, hitting the whole airways for everybody. Uh, and some people will be seeing this live, actually. So for those of you that get to see this live, you're going to get a preview of this with Mitchell. And for those of you that might see this later on when you're not seeing it live, you're still going to get his wisdom. Uh, and Mitchell, some of the people we've had on are people that you know uh, that run in your circle. Uh, a few of them come from one of the groups that we're part of now together, uh, the 100 Coaches through Marshall's group. So I'm going to have us talk a little bit about that on the show. But besides the introduction I gave you there, if you were in a quick uh, description of yourself at a cocktail party and someone was intrigued a minute enough to hear about you, what would you want them to know about you, Mitchell, that wasn't in your initial bio here that we can start off with the audience and might give me some nuggets to dig deeper in with you? So Steve, what I'm going to do is uh, thank you for the opportunity and I'm going to present the way I would present my purpose. And so I'm going to say it this way, the types of clients typically attracted to me, businesses that feel invisible. And normally, Steve, when I stop on that, What's interesting is the person on the other side, if I'm looking, if, if you're just listening to this, hey, is that intriguing? Do I want to know more? If, if, you're, if I'm looking at you, is this something that it's a playground that you might want to play in? Or is it something where you're like, well, I know somebody to recommend. Mm -hmm. And then when I add more, that's when you say, tell me more. And we can either do this now or do this later. Typically what happens is what I'll say, uh, the most important thing to think through um, is having interviewed 500 thought leaders on credibility, I uncovered a, a very interesting secret. And that is most of what we've been taught wrong is some marketing cookie cutter approach to life and business. And it's, let's not say right or wrong, we're just say it's not credible. Mm. And as a result, my, my role for the rest of my life is to help us learn, grow, and to tip the scale between those in the world that are credible and those that are not credible, which, which you know I call dubious. Yes, yes. And what what are your criteria for this this uh, very distinct, well thought out, researched plan that you're putting forth in the world on credibility? What makes someone credible? What makes someone not so credible? 
<laughs> well, let's start with there's there's a couple of different ways to answer that question. So I'll do the 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 high level from a formulaic perspective. The definition of credibility is the quality which you're trusted, known, and liked. And under each one of those pillars are ten particular skill sets. So, you know, Steve, it's an interesting thing because it's in many cases there's not an absolute right or wrong. There's not a uh, one of the things I did. I I did a TED talk. It was the one of the twenty eighth most successful, most popular TED talk. You're you're, here. Master of that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you saw the TED talk and said, "Yeah, you're you're actually excellent at it." Yeah. And so one of them, the the one that was recent in in twenty twenty one, it was the twenty eighth most popular. Is we are losing our humanity, and I'm tired of watching it happen. And one of the things that's important to think about credibility, and when I say right or wrong, it's not right or wrong, black or white, red or blue. It is, there's always gradations, right? So let me give you two skills that are important for, for credibility that if you if you don't have either, you really borderline dubious or the other side. And, and two of and this is two of 10. Um, one of the things that's terribly important is to be a servant leader. Right. So if you're there 100% serving yourself, so those people, hedonistic, narcissistic, you are by definition way more on the dubious side. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me give you a number two being coachable. You ever run into that person that they don't want to hear anything about what you want to say? Yeah. They, they have the right answer. If you're not coachable, you're not credible. That's awesome. Well, and, and that 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 is a um, I mean, this thing that you've evolved into that you've tried, you know, one of the things you and I've talked about many times is is my one of the taglines in my business is helping people transition, transform and evolve to their highest good in life and business. And this has really become an evolution for you. I mean, your background in massive marketing in different arenas for different businesses, publishing, evolving in your own publishing business and the doing well by doing good of the transformation stuff for you of really higher purpose, high meaning you, you really embody this, this uh, graph that I have, or if anyone's seeing it on the screen, transition, transform, evolve and your credibility. I look at this, like it's the top of your pyramid. You just said for the rest of your life, you plan on doing this. And the servant leadership is something that you and I resonated uh, very much uh, together about. So can you give people that don't quite know what that means about servant leadership? Um, because some people say, well, I'm not a servant. I'm, you know, I'm X or I'm this. So how, if people don't even know that they might be in servant leadership, or if someone's really get trying to get more focused and consciously into servant leadership, what does that mean to you? <laughs> I, I, by the way, I, just heard, I, I hadn't heard that before. I, I've heard people. So it, it's, it's, it's a phrase, servant leadership. There are people in the world who go immediately. They know exactly what that is. What's interesting is I've heard people say, oh, Mitchell, I can never be a servant leader because are you ready? I'm not a leader. Mm. <laughs> and, 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 but I've never heard anyone say, uh, I'm not a servant. Yeah. And so, it's that ego thing about people that, because when people are in high positions that I've met that are obviously to me leaders, sometimes I say, oh, you look to be like, you're really focused on servant leadership. And sometimes what do you mean? Or they are not in servant leadership. And I've asked them about it. And I have people point blank said to me, I'm not a servant. And their ego is that, hey, I'm the CEO. I'm the president. I'm the owner. I'm not a servant. And I went, wow, you are really missing the whole mark of the importance of that. So the servant part they took as less than versus you and I take that as highest of. Yeah, it, it's really simple. If I, I'm going to say being a servant leader means that you're when you enter any situation, you're of service to the other people with you. Yeah. If you're you the are- CEO of the company, you're of service to all stakeholders. Right, you have service to all your employees. You're of service to your customers. You're of service to the those companies that you work with, your your partners. And if you have that approach, if you think of how can I make life better for all those around me, by definition, life is better for you. Yeah, agreed. Well, and I told her, you know, when you helped me uh, fine tune some of the things in the book and the concepts of my book, The Iggy Principles, you and I talked a lot about servant leadership. And we talked about a lot about my belief in spirituality and the importance of me bringing spiritual intelligence into conversations with people into the world. And you picked up on that right away and really, you know, had your own version of that and your own 
uh, thing. And you helped me really get this Iggy, you know, we talked about Iggy moments, which uh, Noel is showing here, our, our engineer is showing this, but also the book, you, you really were instrumental in helping me get the book cover fine tuned. And then you really encouraged me to put the symbol on the book that we have. That was one of the tattoos that I have, which is one and only tattoo that I got in my fifties that I never thought I would get. So you're seeing, Hey, how to be a servant leadership and your marketing knowledge help bring that together. Um, and you exude, and Noel has up here that, you know, for me, that is about gratitude and forgiveness and paying it forward uh, and integrity. So that really ties really well into what you're doing. Um, and for you, your writings as your own, um, you know, your own author, uh, I think you've done over 60 plus books. I know we have a, a slide here of some of your books and it's hard to say which one of these, it's like your kids, which one is your, you know, when people say, what are your kids if you have more than one kid? And I know you're a father as well, but as looking at these books that you've written in the first book, the 10th book, the 30th book, the 50th book, how did your evolution happen from A, authorship, to the evolution of how you've written and then to where you are today? Can you give us a, we've only got three or four minutes left in this segment, but I want to understand for the listeners or viewers how your own journey of walking your talk as an author and then in the publishing business, how you've evolved in your own consciousness of writing what you write about now. You've got about 25 questions in that. And I know you always question. take one or two, so then that's what you'll do. You know that about me by now, Mitchell. It's like I throw it out, and then you pick what works, and you bring it back to me. Steve, I, I, I so adore you. So, you know, that. let me start. We'll, we'll try to do this super, uh, super quick for time. You know, the first book I ever did was in the decision that I was making of should I should I buy a house or not? So this was back in the in the early 80s. So this is when publishing was really no, actually late late 80s. This is when publishing was really vital and I spent so much time, money and energy doing the analysis that I actually wrote a book called Home Ownership the American Myth. Had a spreadsheet along with it. I was actually working for a company at the time. At the time I was working for Sun Microsystems. So they were from my my financial sponsor and I did so much stuff to get get the uh, book out there, get written written at written about by the largest financial uh, real estate writer, uh, syndicated writer in the country, which by the way, he hated the book, which was actually <laughs> beautiful because there are a lot of people who didn't like him. And so it, <laughs> it all went well. <laughs> but I, I think what happened is at the time, the, the name of the publishing company was Mythbreakers. And even back then, I was thinking to myself, let's examine a topic that everyone says you have to go a certain direction. And I wanted to determine, am I going to go that direction because everyone says so, or is it something to think about? Mm. Mm. So let's fast forward from my first book to not my last one, but, but Credibility Nation, one of my last books. So many times we are not credible. So many times we do things that people encourage us to do because that's the way it's always been done. Right, right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's credible. So the, the, the phrase I like to say, Steve, is we have marketing cookie cutter approaches that we follow and we shouldn't. Mm. So how did I get here? What I'm going to say is if you ever have time to get your own PhD, I'm going to say the PhD in the school of hard knocks. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> take the approach of interviewing 500 thought leaders. And for me, it was somewhere around 95% of the way done that I had this incredible aha moment of what I needed to do the rest of my life. Wow, that's powerful. Well, I'm not sure many people can say that they've interviewed 500 thought leaders. And before that, I know you were doing interviews in different ways. So I want to come back from the break here that we got to jump into with the listeners and the viewers and find out of those people as you were interviewing thought leaders, where were some of your surprising aha that moments with people that surprised you in a positive way? And where were a few spots that you just left that interview feeling a bit disappointed that you were like, oh, my hero was not quite living up to what I thought. So if anyone wants to know about that, come back and uh, spend some time with Mitchell and I. We'll be right back. And thanks for listening in on The Alchemy of Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Alchemy of Business, where we are helping people make wiser decisions find greater profits in their life, in their businesses, and most importantly, in my view, finding higher purpose in who you are and what you do and how you contribute to the world. And we were talking with Mr. Mitchell Levy before we jumped to the break, 
And one of the things he was talking about was that he's interviewed over 500 plus, he's probably inching into close to a thousand here in the near future of thought leaders, top leaders, different people that he's either looked up to, admired, or wanted to meet. So I was asking before the break, Mitchell, of all these interviews, did you have a surprise of like, wow, that was such a golden nugget? Or, oh, that was kind of a disappointment. Uh, so give us some feedback on any you know, lowlights, highlights from these 500 plus interviews you've done. So I, I Steve, thank you. I, I actually, there are three, three, three points I want to make. And uh, so the first one, this is a highlight. One of the guys I interviewed was David Meerman Scott. Uh, David is the person who invented the word newsjacking. He actually got it into the dictionary. He's one of those guys uh, when Tony Robbins actually does a, a long event, uh, David is given two hours on stage. And, and so I'm in the green room with David. And I said, David, how do I get credibility out there? What do I do? And he goes, Mitchell, invent a word. I go, cred dust. And, you know, he goes, no, no, Mitchell, it took me six months to think about and, and deploy, um, deploy the, the word. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, I, uh, I'm like, well, I know this is what thought leaders have been doing. Cred does is that magic that happens when you share somebody else's ideas, thoughts, and actions. And so I just didn't know if it was, was one day or two. And so <laughs> the reason I love this, Steve, is it was, it was one of those ideas that was easy to take action on and has affected my life. And I've created a couple other words as well. But so that was one. It was David Merriman Scott, very positive one. Do you mind if I give you, I'll give you a negative one. Yeah, let's go to um, a low light. Cause sometimes it's when you're out uh, interviewing either a people you admire or you look up to, or you think are doing really cool things and you go, oh man, uh, so you hang that, up. And sometimes I'm wondering what the low light might've been. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm not a person to, to uh, share names and paint people yeah, in a negative like way. Number. So this, this, what I'm going to say is <laughs> I was interviewing, ah, I had on the schedule, somebody to interview which was a high paid NSA class speaker. And the first question I ask when people join the interview, by the way, at the end of the day, this is a cool product. It's five questions in five minutes. Imagine being able to answer five questions in five minutes and get people to trust, know, and like you in five minutes if they don't know you. I mean, spectacular. First question I ask is what is your CPOP? What is your customer point of pain? This is a way, we'll cover this in a future segment. This is a way in which we could articulate our purpose in 10 words or less. So I said to this guy, hey, what's your CPOP? And he goes and answered a question that was like 30 seconds long. Now, just to be clear, most people answer it between one to three seconds. It's, it's always 10 words or less. And uh, I said, well, you know, most people, what they do is they, they, they give who they serve and the pain point they address. And he was able to condense it from 30 seconds to 15. And then I asked a very... And that's a pretty good cut. Oh, it was a good cut, but it was still his elevator pitch. I see. And and so I um, I asked magic words. Magic words is, do you mind if I do a little bit of coaching? And his response was, yes, I do. <laughs> I This is what he said. This is what he said. I mean, he was articulate. I have my way of doing things and you appear to have yours and I don't want to learn yours. <laughs> At least he was honest. <laughs> oh, so, so first of all, let me tell you all the cool things that came out of that. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. When a low light, I always say, okay, what came out of that? What's the good. Oh my God. Out of was, What's the Iggy that came out of that? It was incredible. Prior to that point, one of the skills, uh, I did not have the skill of being coachable as one of the skills that's mm. necessary to be credible. And, and so, one of the things, I don't know if you mentioned, I, I sat on the board of a NASDAQ firm for, for nine years. And can I, 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 if I'm looking around the other board members, could I possibly have imagined that we would want the CEO to hire somebody on their staff? The CEO would not listen to their peers, who would not listen to clients because they knew the right answer. Right. right. You're not exactly. coachable. You're not yeah, credible. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and, and our friend and, uh, you know, part of the we mentioned that we're both part of the 100 coaches uh, thing that Marshall Goldsmith put together. And I've known Marshall for 20 plus years, and he started this 100 coaches group, which is now more than a couple hundred. It really is more that 100 percent mindset than it is just about 100 people. But Marshall's whole business model, he's one of the top executive coaches, if not the 
top executive coach in the world globally. And that's he goes in that boards hire him and he's hired by Fortune 500 boards for people like that you're talking about that that may be phenomenal at driving revenue, may be phenomenal of getting stock shares up to a certain price. But they are a pain in the ass. They alienate everyone. They are, you know, and sometimes they're not coachable. And I think Marshall uses some of that approach in his own uh, 360 stakeholder coaching. If the person's not coachable, no matter how much they're paying Marshall, he's like, uh, no, next, this person is not coachable. So hopefully all of us can learn from that, that ego over Iggy thing of edging good out or edging got out or, you know, inviting good or got in it is crucial. And I love that you've, inv- that you've incorporated that into your cred dust uh, as well. And you're, you're known for making up these words. I know when you and I were working on Iggy and some of the stuff in the book, you were definitely challenging me to come up with words and acronyms that meant certain things. So did that come from your publishing background and author and writer of playing with words? Or are you like a crossword puzzle guy on Sundays that you sit with a, a paper and drink your coffee and try and make words? Or where did that come from, this this creation of word mindset? That's a great question. I... I... I've never thought about it. I'm going to say sometimes there are things that you might be born with, you know, so being, being a visionary and is a skill set that you're born with. It's also one you could build, but being a visionary means, ah, I know where it was born. I, I think I was born with it, but every job I had, everything I've done, I've always been, although I'm one of those really silly Americans who only speak one one language. It's English and it's bad English at that. Yes, right? I can relate. But what I can speak is I could speak board. I could speak uh, accounting. I could speak finance. I could speak marketing. I could speak sales. I could speak engineering. I, having been in Silicon Valley for 35 years, I speak engineering, right? And And I've always been the intermediary. So I've always been the one to tie things together. And what I realize is the more succinct you could be in your messaging, the easier it is to get people to work around it. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of where where that came from is trying to find ways where people could understand what you want to say and remember what you want to say. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, and and and, and you challenge people on that in different ways. I mean, you challenge people to make sure that their CPOP is fine-tuned so they can do exactly what you just said. Uh, that you're remembered and that it has impact and it ties in your purpose. And you've also created that in challenging them individually, one-on-one in conversations. You also seem to have liked now public and group challenges. Uh, and from what I understand, you have uh, five-day challenges that you do in different ways in different times. And what's the one about now that's most relevant to you? Uh, for those of you that are viewing, you can see his uh, his uh, day five challenges here right on the screen. But for those that can't see it, Mitchell, tell us a little bit about that. And we've got oh. about three or four minutes left and then we're going to have a break, but we'll come back and dig further off obviously with you on other topics as we move forward. Perfect. Well, so I, I mentioned, I'd say three things that came from the interview. The uh, one was the, they're all positive and, and the creation of new words. The second was the, the, the new skill set called coaching. The third is, and first I'm going to tell you depressing and why, why the five day challenge was born. The depressing was, imagine if in, in the creation of this thing called a CPOP, in the creation of being able to, the CPOP, it, it's just a word. Think of it as a approach in which you can articulate your purpose in 10 words or less. It's either customer point of pain, customer point of pleasure, customer point of purpose. It just depends. But it's as a servant leader, who do you serve and how could you articulate what they're looking for in 10 words or less? Mm-hmm. It really is that simple, Steve. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so- What I'm going to say, and this is depressing for me, and this is what I am working on fixing. Imagine with all the people I interviewed and with with this particular process, it's now uh, over 600. Imagine with those particular people that potentially for the first time ever, they've been able to articulate their purpose in 10 words or less. And this is when I say that it's not just that they say it, they feel it. It is alignment. It is inviting good in. It's inviting God in. It's it's bringing in such a way that they're in alignment in terms of who they are, what they do. Yes, yes. I would say to you that 90% lost that word, that phrase, that CPOP, 90% lost that somewhere between two hours and two weeks. Because, mm. Steve, what happens is they go to their friends. Oh, my God, I just talked with Mitchell Levy and, and my CPOP is this or my purpose is this. And the person looks them in the eye. And they're not doing it out of malice. 
They look into the eyes and say, no, that's not you. You're something else. And the person, even though for the first time ever, they've really felt good about articulating their purpose for the first time ever, that was powerful for them. But somebody else said, no, that's not you. You're somebody else. And they let it go. So the yeah. five-day challenge, um, if you want to bring that slide back up, is five days. It's an hour a day. And we run this same challenge every quarter. And so it's typically the, the, the first week of the third month of the quarter. And what it does is helps you align your purpose on and offline. It's mm -hmm. the coolest thing. So you, you can take a CPOP course. It's part of Credibility Nation. We offer it for free. It's bundled into this five-day challenge. You can take the challenge for free. And the interesting part is you, you get your CPOP. And every day you walk up the stairs. So I'll just for those not um, uh, who are not visually seeing this, day one is researching you. What happens when people research you? Have you articulated your purpose in a way they understand it in the first three seconds? Uh, when they go to your social media, same sort of thing. As you've been a servant leader to others and you've helped others accomplish what they want, do you have endorsements and you show them in the appropriate place? Mm -hmm. That's the endorsing mm -hmm. you. Day four is is really cool it's it's watching you and then day five is being you and so that's the important part guys is figuring out how you can align your purpose on and offline yeah that's amazing well we've got to go to a break but i want to come to back and talk a little bit more about the cpop the customer point of pain and uh what i've learned over life as well is unfortunately whether people are selling it you know excedrin aspirins or they're selling uh insurances us as human beings seem to be reactive to make change or buy in our life through what's going to get us out or uh, through pain versus being inspired and pulled to something, which has been my own disappointment because I love to inspire and I love to pull people their higher calling. And for some reason, many of us as human beings, including myself at times, we need a brick upside the head to have a point of pain before we actually have change happen or we create buying habits. So let's have Come back and talk with the uh, audience and uh, or talk with you, Mitchell, with the audience uh, hearing about this customer point of pain, your CPOP. And then let's jump in um, with this credibility nation. Let's also jump into to some of the work that happens in the world with other leaders that you're seeing that's doing this in a, well, a, a way, in a very well-oiled machine way. Um, and so I want to have the, the listeners learn more about some of the successes you've experienced and you've seen in others. And where failures and challenges maybe that you've had in your life of your own points of pain have caused some of your greatest learnings and caused you to be here today talking about these topics that are so relevant. So everyone stay tuned, come back and learn about more pain and hopefully pleasure beyond the pain. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business. We're here with Mr. Mitchell Levy talking about business, marketing, strategy, credibility, higher purpose, higher meaning. And we were talking about before the break, pain, your CPOP, your customer point of pain. So Mitchell, as you've been uh, all these thought leaders, the people you've helped create books, the people that you coach bring in these challenges, what are some of the things in these customer points of pain that you have really seen elevate people to some levels of success that they weren't expecting or that you knew could be achieved uh, so you have any ex examples of people that really have had some of this incorporating into the business that have made some changes in a really positive way from these pain points? You know, I, you're, you're, how you ended the last segment and what you're using, you're really glumming onto the word pain. And what I want to say, and the answer is yes, people respond more to pain than they do to pleasure. But I want to say, but I'm not sure that's the right way to do it. So I'm going to say, Steve, that, I the reason I call it CPOP is because it doesn't automatically imply a pain, a pleasure, or a purpose point. Right. Just just to be clear, because in every situation, it's going to be different. So first, when I, I did three yesterday, there's when somebody comes on the line and said, Mitchell, there's no way I could possibly articulate who I am in 10 words or less. Because I I serve this audience. Like you ever hear somebody say, I serve speakers, coaches, thought leaders, you know, radio hosts. And, you know, by the time it's 10 words, just trying to articulate who they serve. And, and, uh, and then, and then when you say, what do you do? I do this, this, and the other thing, and, and you don't remember any of it. So what happens when you could focus on one primary area that is so powerful 
many things happen. And, and the, what, what happens when somebody has a CPOP that's very focused is they then go back in and it becomes a compass and they look at their website. They look at their social media. They look at the meetings they run. They look at the accomplishments they want to have, and they know immediately what fits and what doesn't fit. Uh, Steve, you'll be clear. Remember when we were doing the interview for your book, one of the techniques I often use is I use something called a parking lot. So when we're talking about a content uh, about content that makes sense for your book, and it sounds right. really great. And and I go, man, I love that, but I don't know if that fits. I actually know that doesn't fit in the book or it doesn't have to be in your book. Let's put it in a parking lot. And, and what, what helps when, when you're in a conversation with somebody or you're running a meeting and somebody wants to go off topic, what's really interesting is creating a parking lot where you put things, this is important. It's not, it's just not important for right now. Well, the same thing happens when you have a CPOP, when you have a CPOP and you're meeting somebody who is a prospect and they say, Hey, can you do this for me? Um, just because money's in hand doesn't mean you do it if it doesn't fit your CPOP. That's awesome. I love that. Well, in, the, in this pain thing, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly somebody who likes to focus more on pleasure, higher purpose and meaning. And pain to me, it's kind of like how I focused on the word fear in my early days. I know a lot of times I ran from fear or I did things in lieu of fear. And I realized later in my life that the more I went towards my fear, embraced it and went through it, on the other side of that was amazing empowerment and amazing energy. So now I look Ooh. for, I wake up in the morning or during the week and I say, where am I most fearful right now in my life, in relationship, in business, in opportunities, in exploration? And where do I have the most tingling in my heart and the sweats that I get of fear? And that's where I know I'm supposed to be going. So the pain point, I like to put in that kind of a category where sometimes has my pain been so unbearable that I haven't wanted to face it in life beyond just your marketing thing, but this pain point, because customers, sometimes it's mild pains that they're having about not making enough money. Maybe their products aren't selling. Maybe they don't have enough cash flow. Maybe they've lost a lot of employees. Maybe that they're uh, no longer on the mission that they were when they started their business five or 10 years ago. Maybe their dream of building a business has become their nightmare. Whatever the pain is, I love that the CPOP can help define what that is. Cause just like going through fear, getting into the pain and getting beyond the pain, that's where the magic happens. And you know, what's interesting. I'm so glad you said what you said in the way you did, because what often happens is your CPOP is your superpower and your CPOP is a reflection of some pain, some obstacle you've come over, you've overcome at some time in your life. And so a lot of times when people are talking about their CPOP, their passion comes from the fact that they fix it for themselves and they want to make sure they help address that for other people so they can overcome it for themselves that much quicker. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of superpowers, what, did, what do you define your superpower as or your uh, multiple superpowers? Have you identified <laughs> well, those for yourself? Thanks for asking. I, I actually had two that I knew of before the interviews. Uh, <laughs> okay. You experienced both before before the interviews and, and where I am now. So you experienced my ability to build systems. So think about this. I interviewed 500 thought leaders while still doing my job on Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons, 10 to 12 interviews per day. And, and I did that in a year. And my team kept, we have three different podcasts and the team kept up. Building systems is one. Um, the second is being able to pull the genius from somebody's head. Mm. And what that means is I'm an active listener, right? And it's just, I care, I care and I'm interested and I want to move forward. I knew I had those two entering the interviews with the interviews. There was one more that I just, I just now so love. And it goes back to making up words. You said that before it's clarity. It's the ability to allow people to have clarity for themselves of who they serve and what they serve. And, and more importantly, so it's, they wake up every day. They love who they hang around. They wake up every day. They love what they're doing and they wake up every day and they have joy in their life. Yes. Absolutely. That to me is if you can clearly come up with a CPOP that allows that to happen and everyone has that, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, that's the alchemy. To me, that's the alchemy of creating a business that's worth sustaining, 
growing, contributing. You can find joy and happiness in a business that also creates abundance and profit. Because most people obviously are creating businesses to drive profit. And if you're in a nonprofit, you still have to drive donations, which are profit to have your, your you know, so it's all money makes the world go round. It's currency called for a reason. It's like energy of electricity. But tying in these words of joy, purpose, clarity, systems, processes are all elements of the alchemy to make these things work. And we only have about one more minute or two in this segment, uh, Mitchell, and we're coming back for our last uh, quarter of the, the last run here. But I wanted to ask you on the processes. Have you found that most of the businesses that you start working with already have processes and they just need to make them better? Or do you find that, to your surprise, many people don't actually even have processes in place? You know, it's across the gap. So let's be clear. They either have a, a process that was homegrown and worked for a period of time and no longer works. Mm. Or let's do the opposite extreme. They have a process that was given to them by a software company and they made their company wrap around that software process. Both of those don't work, <laughs> okay? And we like to maintain something that's working and not change. And so what's, what's appropriate about processes is every now and then, probably more of the now than then, Take a look at your customer journey. Take a look at your stakeholders journey and take a look at your processes. So, so customer stakeholder journey first and figure out whether or not the processes need to be updated to make a safer, cleaner, more fun, more enjoyable process. Awesome. Well, I love that you're talking about purpose and power and passion and process. So for those of you listening in or viewing, uh, this is the key of life, having a process for anything you want to duplicate and grow, whether that is more joy, more money, more health, more happiness. So let's come back and talk more with Mitchell after the break. And we will have one more segment before we wrap up this show today. But Mitchell, it's been awesome. For Let's keep you on fire here and keep this break short. And uh, everybody will be right back. So thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. Mitchell and I uh, have been having an amazing conversation the last three segments, so I hope that you're popping back in and listening. And if you're just starting from scratch, uh, Mitchell is an expert in a lot of areas, not just in publishing how I met him, but his own right as an author, TEDx speaker, uh, keynote speaker, serial entrepreneur, and just a really wise guy with a big heart. So, uh, Mitchell, let's talk a little bit about some of these things in the first segments, tying it together here at the, the very end of this segment, because what you do is from a passion being called standpoint, even though you've had to wrap this into business structures, processes, creating profit, CPOPs, all of that. But you, you helped me create a book um, that I'd had in my heart and mind for you know 15 years or so. Um, and, you know, I had my own structure and idea how I wanted that to get out, but I knew that the word Iggy inviting good in or inviting God in versus edging good out or edging God out that Wayne Dyer so eloquently put together, you know, you hit on a, you know, as soon as you heard about it, you were like, ah, that fits perfectly. And when you're, when I found out the name of your company was aha, which I love that power of that word, you know, it was always around, but even Oprah made that word aha moments pretty powerful. So you and I talked about also creating Iggy moments uh, for people, whether it was in the book or in life. So let's talk a little bit on this last segment about Iggy. So how do you define in your own descriptions, you're a great wordsmith person and you fine tune down. So how do you, Mitchell, describe spirituality in your own life? And what, what is your definition of your own spirituality incorporated into your, your life? Mm. You know, I, I heard somebody speak at the secret knock, which is which is Greg Reed's event. And one of the things that she mentioned is she mentioned a name. The name was Gus. And Gus represented God, universe, or spirit. And what's nice about saying Gus, you're either including everyone in or you're offending everyone because everyone thinks their stuff is the most important. But what's really cool about Gus is you can listen to Gus and Gus is that universal spirit. Gus is that God for you that, or Gus is that God. I think I caught, I think I got everybody. And it, what happens is we as humans want to understand our purpose. We want to know why we're here. And when we don't know why we're here, we don't know why we have structure. That's when chaos ensues. 
And, and the best way I could say it, how I apply it for myself, I always thought my purpose, Steve, I always thought my purpose was, okay, have a family, have a son. We have a 23 year old successfully launched, right? Um, happily married for, for 33 years. Congratulations again. I knew that you had a long-term one. I didn't realize it was 33. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I always thought is, uh, create businesses, make money, have fun. We, uh, prior to COVID, uh, we've spent 21 years go, you know, renting a house in Europe and inviting friends and family. And what came out of the interviews, what, what came out was this desire to tip the scale between credible and dubious, was this desire to have, because if you look at the world, it is going, I am not happy about the perception of the world I see today and the direction it's been going and continues to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so when I realized that that was probably my calling, that was probably Gus talking to me my entire life, but it was 95% of the way through the interviews that I realized that this is something I need to do. This is something that's my purpose. This is something I need to do for the rest of my life. I have to tell you the first thing I did Steve, is I went to my wife, I went to my partner and I said, you know, I'm going to do something and this is what I've been called to do. And I believe that by doing this, I'm going to offend people in a way I've never offended people before. I'm good at offending people, by the way, <laughs> um, but I'm going to do it. But you're in such so a nice way. about it when you offend them. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh but I'm going to do it in such a way that we might actually get haters in a way that we haven't had before mm-hmm. um, or stalkers in a way we haven't had before. And, and I, I went to my wife and I said, listen, do you, do you have a concern about this? Do you, cause I won't do it. If you, if you say no. And, and her response, ah, oh, she's so amazing. Her response is, Hey Mitchell, if this is your calling, uh, we'll, we'll take it when it comes. And, and I'd say, each and every one of you, if you could find that thing in your heart, that purpose that you're going to do, regardless of how you're seeing the world, and if you could surround yourself with the type of partners, the types of friends, the type of business associates that just see you and love you and want to be part of you and want to help you accomplish what you do while you help them accomplish what they do, uh, that's alchemy. That's to me, that's credibility. That's living with credibility. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Well, and that's a beautiful world. I mean, there's that song, uh, it's, you know, the Louis, was it Louis? Who's the Louis that sang the wonderful world song? Um, that just reminded me of that. I'm drawing a blank on his last name, but it, I mean, that description of what you just said is a wonderful world. That's the world we all desire to live in being loved, being appreciated, being accepted, surrounded by people who support you in that. And what a great partner uh, to, you know, support you in that mission that you have. And my wife, you know, 30 years as well, said, you know, similar stuff. And I was telling her I was finally going to get Iggy launched and start using the God word in certain ways. Because for me, I do my Iggy, I-G-I, my G is the word God. But for me, I don't have a, a God image of a person in a white, you know, outfit, so to speak, up in the universe. My definition is just God is the sum of all that is which is energy. It's the higher consciousness and higher meaning of the sum of all it is. And my wife and I have similar, you know, beliefs on spirituality. But when I told her I was going to write a spiritual business book, right, and start talking about spiritual intelligence and life and business. And she's like, she knows I've been really focused on this for in my own life for many, many years. But I came up with the word Iggy about uh, 15 years ago. And when I finally got the, you know, the book started and she goes, okay, yeah, I'm behind you 100%. What's taking you so long? (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like I'm ready for whatever comes from it and it has to come when it comes, but yeah, I'm here to, you know, so the similar support of bring it on. And I think, you know, being willing to be um, a thought leader changer or just speak up for things that you might get haters. Um, then it is what it is. You know, I'm not looking to create hate or animosity with anyone in the world. And I'm not here to define anybody's spirituality to tell them what they need to believe or how they, but I'm just here to bring up the conversation so that just like we are talking constantly about EQ, IQ, artificial intelligence, spirit, you know, so to me, spiritual intelligence is one of those things that we, in the alchemy, we could put on the table and it exudes through the work you're doing. I mean, spiritual intelligence and the inviting good in is so matched up with the credibility stuff. So how with your son, who's in his early twenties, as you see this generation coming up, 
how had did you and your wife incorporate your Gus uh, experience and mentality into carry that on into your family, either with your son or others? And so how do you perpetuate that just like you perpetuate credibility nation? So I'm just curious about how you feel with bringing up children this day and age that are uh, so susceptible to so much information. How, how, did, how did that process work with you in your, I know you have a very close relationship with your son. So I was just curious about that. Oh, everywhere. Uh, from the beginning, uh, I would say, so first, uh, I'm just going to throw something out there. Our educational system is completely wrong and completely, maybe wrong is not the right word, but it's teaching the wrong stuff. We are taught to actually be cogs in a wheel. We are taught that there's an answer in the back of the book. We are taught that we're supposed to get a job, be at a company for the rest of our lives. And at the end, we'll have a retirement and we do what we want to do when we get retired. And guess what? Today's generation is saying bullshit. I'm not interested. Okay. So when my son came to me at different points in time and asked questions, my response was from one of two hats. And, and I, you know, I wear, I wear the fedora, so I, I, I have many different hats. But my <laughs> response was either from the hat as dad or the hat as friend. Mm-hmm. And he understood both. And mm-hmm. so we did that from the time he was, he was young. And occasionally when he was young, he'd come to me and said, uh, Dad, I need to tell the friend. I, need to, I can't tell dad, so dad's not here. Like, <laughs> okay. And, and my only response was, well, if it's something I need to tell mom, I, I'll tell her. And he goes, okay. Right. And, you know, the the interesting part and probably the most important thing that I shared with him was his ability to have discernment. Because in today's world, the way the Internet has has come about is marketers have been able to define a strategy that the world you see is the world that you want to see. And it propagates potentially a view of the world that's not a view of somebody else in the world. So the reason we have hate is we have people on different sides who are only seeing reinforced messages on their side. So with my son, the question was, well, when somebody gives you a piece of information, do you have multiple sources? Is it, does it feel good? Does it fit within your paradigm? Is it something you should check? Can you, can you determine if, this is something that you should do. Does it feel comfortable with you and your friends? Mm-hmm. And, and I think my wife and I were really good along the way of giving him a sense of home, a sense of heart, a sense of love, mm-hmm. a sense of servant leadership for others, and a sense of questioning so I'll, I'll leave a word for you to think about, and it's being curious. Mm-hmm. You can't be credible if you're not curious. Yeah. And so right. a sense of curiosity, if somebody says, for instance, starting with my first book, you should buy a house. Right. <laughs> and everyone says, buy a house. And you're like, uh, okay, but why? And, it, and why does everyone have to buy, right? It, anytime somebody says something and it's absolute, it's a good time to say, why? I love the question, why? That's probably, I'll leave you with this one. As a parent, so many parents say, God, my kid always asks why I, 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 they don't like it. I'm like, why? Like the coolest <laughs> thing in the world is why. why, yes. why? The power yeah. of why. Why well, not why? <laughs> the power of why is powerful. Well, we're going to wrap up the segment here, Mitchell. I, and I want to ask you about beyond the, there is a lot of hate in the world and in opposite, there's a lot of joy. So I want to come back and just ask you as we wrap up, how can people create more joy but before we sign off, uh, we're going to have in the show notes how to reach you on various websites and things. But what are the, what do you think is the best way for someone to reach you if they wanted to write a book or they wanted to learn about more credibility issues? Or one spot they should start, a website or a social media page? Uh, yeah, there's, one, with you? there's one spot. Uh, just go to my primary page, MitchellLevy.com. Um, you can book time on my calendar. You could have access to the the five-day challenge. So come come and join us in a five-day challenge. We're very intimate with those people who come to the challenge. Um, join Credibility Nation. It is a beautiful way for you to surround yourself with other people who are on the credibility journey. And I'd say the one thing regarding love and hate, uh, love is better. And if you are credible, 
you will try your best to be servant leaders, to be coachable, to have the intent and commitment to do the right thing, to be likable by those around you because you're spreading cred dust and you're respectful of those you 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 interchange with. All of those elements and more are things that you can learn more about through either the, the book, Credibility Nation, or come and join us at Credibility Nation. Watch the TEDx, which is We Are Losing Our Humanity. And aren't you tired of it? Because I'm tired of it happening. Let's fix that. That's wonderful. Thank you. We'll make sure we reach out that way. That'll be in the show notes. And then, Mitchell, as we wrap up here, what what uh, advice or quick point would you have for people how they could create more joy in their life? What's one or two things that you think can spark or stimulate more joy in one's life? Make somebody else smile. Not, I mean, really, honestly, if you have a power and you're good at it, share it with others. The coolest thing in the world for me is to sit with somebody if it's five minutes or 20 minutes and help them articulate their CPOP. And I see the ramifications of their transformation. You want to bring joy to somebody else, bring them something they want, not a gift, not bring them something that makes their heart sing. Yeah, the go-getter, the go-giver, and, and being a servant leadership. Well, thank you for that. Mr. Mitchell Levy here has been just an amazing guest. Credibility Nation, aha uh-huh that, uh, publishing, all kinds of stuff that he does. It'll be in the show notes. Mitchell, I can't thank you enough for continuing to put good in the world, to bring good forth, to be your own powerful servant leader for so many, and for uh, helping bless me on getting my book, The Iggy Principles, launched. And we are so thrilled that you are going to continue to just get started and elevate this uh, to a high level, because I know this is the beginning stages of something that is, is really becoming a movement. So thank you for joining us today on the Alchemy of Business Show. My pleasure. It is always amazing to see you. And I, I loved hanging with you and watching you grow, too. So we're going to do this together, Steve. Thank you, Mitchell. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, until next time, thanks again. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed and see you soon.